normally uh, at, at church, uh, when it comes to the Word of God, we normally get given a theme. That, like we, previously, we just finished the theme of uh, Proverbs, Wisdom for Life, um, which is really helpful when you come in to preach because you normally, you get like, there's a point of reference where you can prepare from. You can, okay, you're preaching on Proverbs, go to town on Proverbs. You can, it's easy to, to preach from. I've been given a free hitter, meaning um, no point of reference. They're kind of just like, hey, you preach on kind of whatever you want to, um, within, within reason, within reason. And so... I'm going to give this a crack tonight. I believe uh, Holy Spirit's going to speak. I'm preaching out of Matthew 5, verse 8, and it says this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Love this scripture. Uh, don't have like don't necessarily have a, a title for this message, but if I were to give it a title, I'd just call it Seeing God Clearly. We're going to do that tonight because He wants to be seen. Um, just to set a bit of context for what's happening around Matthew 5, verse 8. Um, Jesus is teaching his disciples. It's the Sermon on the Mount. You might, you might be familiar with it. It was like his first big teaching. He's uh, teaching his disciples on the side of a mountain and a massive crowd's gathering around to listen in. And he begins painting a picture of a life worth imitating, the blessed life. That's what all these blessed statements are. It's painting the picture of a life that you want to imitate. It's a life full of happiness. It's the life of one who is deciding to follow him. Which is where this whole statement, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Uh, God wants to be seen, hey. Uh, God's not, God doesn't want to be just like this, this blurry uh, figment of our imagination that we kind of have to paint a picture of in our own minds. He wants to be known. He wants to be understood clearly in the right way. And the reason why we know that is because Jesus himself, uh, God incarnate, made flesh is the one who's giving this message. He came to earth to paint a picture of uh, who God is. And when I was thinking about what it is to see God clearly, I was thinking of like a story to illustrate this idea. Um, and I was reminded of, uh, of a time I smashed my windscreen. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, who knows that if you want to see clearly while you're on the road, you probably need a clear windscreen. That makes, that makes, that makes a, a fair bit of sense. Um, some of you guys might be familiar with this story, but um, my beautiful wife, Joelle, and I had just moved back to the coast and we bought this kind of run-of-the-mill Ford Territory that we still haven't sold. Um, but uh, anyway, we were, um, we were driving to our first worship rehearsal that we had been to since being back. And there was a little mosquito flying around in the car and I was in the passenger seat. And it was like really, really ticking me off. Just like those tiny little midgy things with like the really high pitched squeal. I was like, I'm going to get this thing. Cause I was just like, it was just, it was ticking me off too much. And so I was kind of like tracking it on the windscreen, tracking it on the windscreen. I've just gone, bop. And uh, as I've hit the windscreen attempting to hit this mozzie, I've gone, oh, that's like, I hit, that sounded like I hit that a bit harder than I intended to. Pulled my hand back and it wasn't just like a little, we, we had like the, we had the forking, like the lightning uh, crack in the windscreen. And the worst part was um, Mozzie lived, didn't even kill the thing. Um, and so not just was I really annoyed that I didn't get the mosquito, I had my wife next to me that I had to explain how on God's green earth all of a sudden half of our windscreen had shattered. And uh, you would think that I would have fixed that pretty quick. It took me two years to get that thing fixed, actually, because uh, I was a procrastinator and that thing just was a soft spot. So I was just like, no, nah, I don't want to have to deal with that. But hey, now that I've got a brand new windscreen, I can see clearly and it's not just bugging me every time I, uh, I drive around in this thing. <clears throat> but I was thinking, 
about that. And I, like, I don't know if you've ever had a situation where you've had um, uh, a foggy windscreen and you've tried to like from the inside like rub it to try and clear a space. And you're like, oh, that did the trick for about three seconds and then it fogs up. But then when the fog goes away, it's just like a massive smudge print from all the oil on your hand. Or you get like the, the, the classic bird just drops the deuce on your windscreen. And then you, um, and you think, oh, I've got the windshield fluid to wipe that away. So you turn on the, you turn on the windshield. There's no fluid, so you just smudge that thing. And then now you're just looking through excrement as you're driving to wherever it is that you're trying to get to. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about uh, the fact that our hearts are kind of like the windscreen in which we see God. <laughs> the windscreen in which we see God. And so when our, the windshield of our heart isn't clear, we don't get a clear image of who God is. We see him through the excrement or through the, the cracks in the windshield of our heart. And that scripture that I just read is really clear. In order to see God clearly, we need a pure heart. That word pure in the, in the Greek, which is what that scripture was originally written in, means clean or clear. So when our hearts are clear and clean, we see God clearly. So I'm going to um, unpack a little bit what that looks like. But you need to understand that's a really radical statement for Jesus to say, to say that um, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Because the people that he was talking to at the time were Jewish. And their idea of purity was like a ritual purity. It was a fulfilling of all of these different religious rules and laws. They couldn't eat certain things. They couldn't participate with certain people. They couldn't hang out. Yeah, they couldn't hang out with people that were kind of like next door neighbors to them really um, because it was unclean. So in their mind, it was like, oh, in order to be pure, I had to do all the right things. And we paint that same picture sometimes. Or we have that idea sometimes about church, about following Jesus. It's all about, I've got to look this way. I've got to dress this way. I can't eat this. I can't, uh, can't hang out with these kinds of people. But Jesus actually took it one step further. He said, uh, it's not actually about uh, doing all the right things. You could be doing all the right things and still not be pure because your heart's not right. He actually, he takes it inward. He takes it inward. We need a pure heart. We need a pure heart. So what really, truly does it mean to have a pure heart? means to have a heart completely and wholeheartedly devoted to God. A heart that is undivided, no hidden motives, no divided, no divided loyalties, no heart that, it's, it's a heart that beats and longs for God and God alone. That's all there is to it. And Jesus, when he was talking about the Pharisees, so the Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day. He was talking about it in Matthew 15, verse 1 to 8. I'll summarize it. Pretty much the Pharisees were getting up Jesus because him and his disciples weren't washing their hands before eating because ritually that was unclean. And he pretty much just like arcs up a little bit. And in verse 7 says, You hypocrites, Jesus is talking to the religious leaders. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. He said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their hearts are far from me. And then that obviously would offend the religious leaders. And they kind of let him know about it. And then in verse 14, he says this, Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. So what we see is, Jesus is talking about blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The Pharisees were pure indeed, impure in heart, and what were they? Blind. Couldn't see God. They missed the entire picture. And so if our hearts are divided, if they're far away from God, if we're doing the right thing, but our hearts are, if we're coming to church serving, but in the inside we're grumbling, we don't want to be here, we hate the person that we're serving with, like that's, that's a heart that's divided. That's a heart that ultimately is blind. If we're um, coming into church and we're lifting our hands in worship, but really we're um, thinking about going and getting on the beers after, after church, our hearts are divided. Like, that's not, don't get up me for that. That's just scripture. 
That's just scripture. That's just the reality of it. Our hearts are meant to be completely, wholeheartedly devoted to God. And just for clarity, when I mean hearts, I don't mean our physical hearts. I'm talking about our thoughts, our emotions, the center of our being, the core of who we are. That's what scripture is. When you see heart in scripture, that's what it's talking about. And here's how I know that God wants all of our heart. Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus gets asked what the greatest commandment is. He says, love the Lord your God with what? All your heart all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. Proverbs 3, verse 5, we, were, we talked about this in last month's uh, series. Trust in the Lord with what? All of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. And then Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with what? All of your heart. God doesn't want part of your heart. He doesn't want your heart on a Sunday, and then kind of left there for the rest of the week. God wants all of your heart, Monday through Sunday, as you wake up, as you go to sleep, every single moment, He desires our heart to be fully devoted to Him, entrusted to Him, not looking for fulfillment and satisfaction elsewhere in the world, in, in friendships, in substances, in success, in money, Him and Him alone, because He's the only one that knows our heart better than anyone else. And so, how do we gauge the purity of our heart? First and foremost, through the Word of God. Psalm 119 verse 9 says this, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your Word. The clearest picture that we have of God is in this, in this Word. You will not find any other clearer understanding of who God is, what He likes, what He doesn't like, what He says about you and I, how He calls us to live. You won't find it anywhere else. It's here. It's here alone. It's, if you want to know Him accurately, if you want to get the clearest picture of who God is, look no further than here. But with that being said, if my image of God, if my understanding of God contradicts that, if, if it doesn't line up with the truth of Scripture, then my heart isn't pure. I'm not seeing God clearly. If, uh, if I choose to pick apart Scripture and go, I like that about Jesus, I like that about Jesus, how He's like kind to the needy, oh, but that holiness thing, I'm not really about that. I'm not really about that. If he's, uh, you know, if he, if he, I like that idea of like loving my neighbor, but serving and laying down my life. Yeah, I'm going to just put that to the side because that doesn't really line up with my image of God. That's not a pure heart. That's not a heart devoted to who God is. That's not a pure heart. And so uh, how, how do we gauge that? If you're reading scripture and a passage that you're reading cuts straight to your heart, I don't know if you've ever had that. You're reading, it's just like, Oh, I've literally, I've read scripture sometimes and something stands out to me and it's like, oh, I didn't want to read that. Lord, I didn't want you to tell me that today. I didn't want to have to deal with that. Like I might've been, I might've been annoyed at someone. And then all of a sudden I come across in scripture where Jesus is like, love your enemies. And I'm just like, Lord, really, please not today. I don't want to see that today. Tell me something else. Tell me you love me, but don't tell me to go and forgive my enemies. Or if something in the word rubs you the wrong way, if it might be through the preaching of the word. You're hearing some of the stuff I'm saying. It's just like, oh man, I could deck you right now for saying that. <laughs> hey, that happens. And you know what? <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> Please don't do that. I'm, just gonna, I'm not, I'm not going to try and be tough. I'll, I'll probably take it to the chin because the Lord tells me to. Um, so, you know, just please don't do that. Um, yeah, go see, go see Dan Bowman. He's a, he's a black belt. He'll sort you out. He'll sort you out. <laughs> Dan's got my back. Dan's got my back. But uh, this, I remember this happened to me just recently. I was reading... Um, it was around, it was actually around my birthday. Um, love when the Lord corrects you for your birthday. Anyway, um, Ephesians, Ephesians 6 verse 10, I was reading, it says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
which is like quite an encouraging scripture, unless you haven't been doing that. Um, unless you've been like trying to do, like tackle situations, problems in your own strength. And that's what I was doing at the time. I was like really frustrated with a couple of different situations that were happening in my world. And I read that and I was just like, oh, awesome. Lord, you're highlighting that I haven't been, my heart hasn't been fully devoted to you. I've been trying to do this in my own strength again. Okay, realign you're purifying my heart right now. I'm going to trust in your strength again. And that's, what, that's, that's how we gauge the purity of our heart. The, the word of God comes and highlights something and, he goes, and that's just God's way of going, hey, just check your heart. Rub off that little smudge, that little bit of excrement that you got on your windscreen right now. You're not seeing me the clearest that you could be. Right. We gauge the purity of our heart, firstly, through the word of God and secondly, through prayer. Now, I'm a married man. And I love being married. And, but something I've learned about being married is my wife knows within seconds, seconds of being within close proximity if something's up with me. Like I might not have even said a thing, and like, but I'm like just like irritated or maybe like we had just had a conversation where she called me out on something and I was just like, oh, I didn't really want to hear that today, babe. And she, uh, but she knows, she just, she just knows. So I'm like, well, I'll like have said like two words and she's like, are you all right? Are you like, are you upset at me? What's going on? Are you like, you're, you're a bit, you're a bit out of whack. And uh, <laughs> the reason why I say that is when we enter into prayer with God, he knows our hearts better than anyone, right? And he knows when there's stuff in our heart that is not right, that isn't set, sitting right. He's just like, we come to him in prayer in the morning. He goes, hey, what happened yesterday? You were a little bit off. Or, hey, we were meant to hang out yesterday morning. What happened there? What happened there? Proverbs 21 verse 2 says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. And what I love about God is we have a daily opportunity to engage him and invite him into our world to highlight any area of our heart that isn't pure, that isn't doing well. I love this prayer of David. It's in the Psalms. It's Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24. I pray it all the time. It's, it says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there is any grievous way or offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting I actually had an encounter with God over the scripture uh, about a month ago. We were um, doing the 21 days of prayer and fasting. And um, I decided to go for like a, a prayer walk on Malulabar Beach. I was hanging out with God. And at the time, I was actually like pretty deflated. Um, there was just like a whole bunch of discouraging things happening in my world. Um, and yeah, nothing seemed like I wasn't really getting a win anywhere. Um, and I felt like I was just like trying to do this, trying to do that. Felt like I hadn't heard God's voice. Felt like he was distant. And I was really frustrated and just super, super deflated. And so I started to just pray for this. And this was like, was going on for about 50 minutes. I was just like trying to see God, trying to get my heart in a place that was connecting with him. I was just getting nothing. And then at the 50th minute, like it was like just, just about to the, just about to the dot. Um, I prayed this. I was just like, Lord, search my heart. You know what's going on in my world. If there's anything that needs to go. If there's anything that is, isn't in line with who you've called me to be, search my heart and, 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 and expose anything that I need to deal with. And it was like, as soon as I prayed that, he just like, he just began to speak. And immediately he began to highlight in my world that I'd actually been once again, gone back to my own strength and I was striving to earn his love. I was treating prayer and treating, reading the word like a, a formula to get his blessing in his favor and to get his smile on me. And I wasn't actually seeking him purely for him. I was seeking him for what he could give me. It was a selfish motive. And he was, and he just began to highlight, he's just like, Isaac, I actually just love you. Why are you trying to like earn it? Like you could ever earn it. 
um, and he was just beginning to, he poured his love on, like it was a correction, but he was pouring his love into my heart. And it was almost like I was going to a, a detailer and he was just like, this guy was doing the detail on the windscreen of my heart. He was, he was exposing everything. He was fixing up the cracks. In fact, he almost did like a full windshield replacement of my heart. And in a moment, and in a moment where I felt like I was deflated and, and discouraged and distant from God, I felt close again. I felt felt like my heart would just reconnected to him. And I was like, Jesus, I'm sorry for where I've once again, just gone back to my own way of doing things, trying to earn your affection, trying to earn your love, trying to, trying to milk you for results, to try and to, to milk you for affirmation and, and, and success. Like that's not, that's not a pure heart that's seeking, that's not a pure heart seeking God. But he doesn't, he doesn't cast us away when we're in that zone. He invites us into that place. And it's in prayer where we discover it. And I actually want the band to come up because I, I want to create a moment for God to do some heart surgery in our hearts. Because um, I believe that there are some people here. And as I'm talking, God's highlighting some stuff, um, highlighting some things in your, in your heart. You, could, you might be uh, here and maybe God only has half of your heart. Uh, maybe there's some things that like you love coming and you love worshiping, but when, you know, things like finances come up or relationships get talked about or um, pleasure gets talked about, you're just like, oh, I just, I kind of want to hold on to that God because I really, you know, I'm, I'm scared of trusting you with that. Maybe, maybe there's a fear of trusting God with your whole heart because maybe your heart's been hurt. Maybe when you talk about the, when you analyze the state of your heart as a windscreen, maybe it's cracked. Maybe it's even shattered because you've been hurt and disappointed and discouraged. I believe if you would make a decision tonight just to place your heart at God's feet, allow Him to, to do some detailing. The Bible says in James 4 verse 8, Come near to God and He will come near to you. It says then to wash your hands, you sinners, and to purify your hearts, you double-minded. But I love that it says to come near to God first to draw near to God first. And then it's in that place that we allow him to do the heart surgery, to purify our hearts, to reveal anything in our lives that isn't meant to be there because God's better than it all, eh? He is just better than it all. No one knows the longings and the desires of our hearts better than him because he fashioned our hearts. He fashioned our hearts. The Bible says that apart from God, we have no good thing. And maybe uh, you, you like how your life's, going at the moment, but you recognize that the way in which you live in your life isn't the best. And you're, you're coming here and you're wanting to draw near to God, but it feels like you can't press in wholeheartedly. It's because there's some, there's some stuff on your windscreen that's blurring your image of him that you need to get wiped away tonight. And uh, we're going to take some time to worship. I want us to stand. Let's just stand to our feet. Let's just stand to our feet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we just close our eyes for a moment? Why don't we just close our eyes for a moment? And if you're here and you're recognizing that there is stuff in your heart, and it's not necessarily, it might not be even a big thing. It might just be a mindset. It might be a habit. It might be a friendship. It might be a relationship. It might be uh, the way that you see yourself, whatever it is, but you recognize that those things are obstacles for you encountering God in the fullness that you could. This is restricting you from seeing God clearly. Maybe you're actually recognizing that there is 
something in your heart right now that is weighing you down so much that you can't even lift your eyes to look at him. Maybe it's a guilt. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a shame. I've got to tell you, it doesn't have to stay there tonight. If you would place your heart, trust the Lord with all of your heart. Place it in his hands. He cares for you. Our God does heart surgery, but it never hurts us. It only ever gives us life. He wants to pour in his love into our hearts, but he can't do that if we filled it up with other things. If we filled it up with other things. So right now, if you're here, might even just be one person, in which case it'd be worth it. And you're like, Isaac, I just need to realign my heart to allow God to do that deep searching and purifying my heart. Would you just raise your hands, both your hands, just committed, surrendering them to God? Oh, Jesus, we give you our hearts tonight. Lord, where we've let our hearts go astray, where we've trusted other things with our heart, where we've trusted other people with our heart that have hurt us. Lord, where we've allowed fear to take hold of our hearts, where we've allowed success to be the focus of our hearts where we've allowed earthly pleasures to be the desire of our heart. Anything that isn't you, Lord, we place it at your feet right now. We place it at your feet. We place it at your feet. Lord, we turn away from those things. That's what repentance is. Repentance is just turning away from those things and realigning our heart with Him. We give it all to you, Jesus. Jesus only. Give us a clear image of who you are. We want to see you clearly. We want to know you clearly. We want to experience all of you. All of you, Jesus. Right now, in the name of Jesus. I feel like there's some people here that have got broken hearts. The Bible says in Isaiah 51 that Jesus came to mend the brokenhearted. 61, sorry. He came to mend the brokenhearted, to make it whole again. Maybe you are here and someone has truly broken your heart and you feel like you haven't fully recovered from it. Maybe you're on that journey, but you're just like, Jesus, I need you to fill my heart, to make it whole. Maybe you need to forgive that person again. Maybe you need to forgive that person again because it's in that forgiveness that He heals our hearts. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Over every heart right now, we surrender to you. Oh, we surrender to you. Fill our hearts with the love of God. Fill our hearts to overflow. You satisfy our every desire. You satisfy our every desire. There's no one like you, Jesus. Just begin to sing that. Just begin to sing that. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, only you. Let that be the cry of your heart. Nothing else matters. Jesus. Jesus.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. With every eye closed, I want to do one more thing, and it's the most important thing that we need to do before we end tonight. We've been talking about the issues of our heart and aligning our hearts to God, and maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with God. You've never given your heart to God before. You, if you were to describe your heart right now, you'd say it's possibly even hard towards Him. Can I tell you, that all that you could ever need, every desire of your heart is found in Jesus in Jesus alone. God created you and I to have a life filled with a loving, fully satisfying relationship with Him. Jesus gave all of His heart on the cross so that you and I could experience the full love of God and have our hearts made whole. In fact, the Bible says that in Christ, the old is gone. Behold, every single thing is made new. He gives us a new heart. Bible talks about like a, a heart transplant, going from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh, one that can know love, one that is full of life. And it's found in Jesus, in Jesus alone. And the Bible says that the only prerequisite to knowing God is placing your heart in His hands. The Bible says that if you would just believe in your heart and declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you'll be saved. Saved and rescued into a loving relationship. Saved from a life of destruction. And when we place our heart in other things, ultimately that's only ever the result. No one, nothing can satisfy our hearts but Him. And so if you're here, I want to create an opportunity for you to know Jesus, for you to see Him clearly, for you to know God. You, could, you can know Him in the way that you and I know each other. It's a real relationship, a lifelong friendship that lasts into eternity, that lasts into eternity. And so I want to create the invitation for three types of people in this moment to enter into a relationship with God and place their trust, their full hearts into His hands. And so firstly, if you're here and you're like, yeah, Isaac, I've never made a relationship with God, but you know that there is a hole in your heart and you've been trying to fill it. You've been looking everywhere, but nothing has fulfilled you. You still find yourself here tonight empty. You may have no idea where you find, why you find yourself here, but I've got to tell you it's not by accident. God loves you and wants you to know a love like no other. And if you are here and you're like, Isaac, I want to encounter that in a moment, I'll get you to raise your hand. I'll acknowledge that I've seen it. And then I'm going to lead us all in a prayer, inviting Jesus into our lives, placing our faith and our trust in Him. The second type of person I want to invite to make this decision is if you know everything that I'm talking about. You've been, you've grown up in church, maybe at one point you knew Jesus. Your heart was filled with Him, but you went and got distracted. Things happened. Life got in the way. And you found yourself with an empty heart again, far away from Him. He's inviting you in with loving arms. He doesn't condemn you. He welcomes you to come back. And if you're like, Isaac, I want to re-engage the Father and come back into that relationship with Him, I'll get you to raise your hand in a moment. And then lastly, if you're here and you're like, Isaac, I believe in God, but the idea of eternity scares me. I don't have a peace and a security about where I'm going to go after this life. And I've got to tell you, you can have a peace. You can have an assurance. You can know where you're going to go after this life. 
Heaven and hell are both very real places to experience. And that's not something to be uncertain about. But I've got to tell you, Jesus came that we would have eternal life. Not perish, but receive eternal life. That's why He came. So if you're any of those three types of people with every eye closed, on the count of three, I want you just to raise your hand. This is a statement of faith. Be bold. Don't let your mind get in the way. Place your trust in Him. On the count of three, one, two, three. Is there anyone here that's saying, Isaac, I see your hand up the front. That's awesome. So proud of you, bro. That's such a life-changing decision. Everything changes from this moment. Is there anyone else here that's just like, Isaac, I want to come back to the Father. I want to place my trust in Him. Jesus loves you so much. And I wouldn't want you to miss this moment. Don't wait until you've got your life all sorted. He's not waiting for that. He's asking you to come now. Come near to God now and we'll sort out the, the, the sin and the issues later. Just place your trust in Him tonight. Give it all to Him. Is there anyone else? Don't want to waste this moment. Don't want to waste this moment. Awesome. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to pray this prayer with our eyes closed. And I'm going to say, you're going to repeat it after me. But for that one gentleman who raised your hand, I want you to say this like you're saying it directly to God and say it with all of your heart. Now, church, repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you sent Jesus that I may know you and be forgiven of my sin. I place my trust in you tonight and turn away from my old life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and with the love of God. I thank you tonight as I place my faith in you that I'm forgiven, set free, loved by God, going to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, church, can we put our hands together for that one person who said yes to Jesus? Come on. That is what it's all about. The Bible says that there is angels rejoicing in heaven right now because there is nothing more important than that decision. I am a married man, and I can tell you that that decision to know Jesus is more important. It's more important. Nothing more life transforming than saying yes to Jesus. I love you, by the way, babe. <laughs> but hey, for that person who did raise your hand, can I encourage you two things? Firstly, keep coming to church. This is the beginning. The decision you've made is just the beginning. And you're now walking into a lifelong journey, a relationship, a friendship, and you are now a part of a family who know all about it. And that's why being in the house of God is so important because you discover how to take that journey. It's a step-by-step -step process. We don't get perfect overnight. We need to be surrounded by people who are going to encourage us and pray for us. So keep coming to church. And then secondly, there's an Alpha course that we do here at church that helps unpackage all the questions of faith that help you to understand, oh, what do I do now? Who is Jesus? What's prayer all about? What is faith? Why do I come to church? Get yourself along to that course because I promise you it will just so help you take those initial steps in your faith. But one more time, church, can we just celebrate and, and just congratulate that one person? Amazing. Now that's it from me. So God bless you all. I'm going to pass it over to the other Isaac. Uh, make you feel welcome as he comes up. Yeah.